Hey, it's Deep Focus. Here's part two of this program from November 13th, 2017. Adam Rudolph, fantastic hand drummer, is in the studio with me. We are talking about the music of fellow hand drummers, Big Black, who was Adam's great inspiration for developing his uh, depth of knowledge and expertise on these instruments, and M. Tumay, who is... Uh, the professional performing name, James Foreman, uh, came to prominence playing with Miles Davis in the early 70s, but uh, had a substantial track record before that and a abundant track record after that, including moving into the pop music world, which we don't really talk about too much, but if that's something that appeals to you, it might be worth checking out and you'll recognize some of the things that he worked on. And he talked about all of these things as, uh, well, I won't speak for him. Sadly, he passed away just a week ago at the time that we're preparing this rebroadcast in January of 2022. So uh, it's a bit of an inspiration to bring this out. In fact, we talked about m 2 coming up when we did this recording, this program in 2017. He was not physically well then. He was not able to make it then, and uh, now we receive the news of his moving on to the plane of the ancestors. But I'm so glad we have his music to share with you, including some true rarities that you're going to hear coming up on this. And none of this is to take anything away from the achievements of Big Black. I love the things that Adam has to say in here, and I love the music as much or more. Okay, it's part two, November 13th, 2017. Adam Rudolph on the topic of Big Black and M2 May. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. It's Deep Focus. Go, go, go. It's part two of three. So you got one before this, one after this. We're only playing, and you, tonight we, are only playing live music. And, and, you know, one of the things I always hope is that people will, you know, you're like, oh, man, you know, if only I could have been there. (laughs) You can, you know, this degeneration, I think all of us can talk about live concerts that we saw that, were transformative. And so for, I guess I should say, the younger people who are listening, you know, go hear live music because it's happening now. And it's just a completely different experience than hearing music on an iPhone or mm-hmm. a TV or mm-hmm. whatever, right? It's also yeah. different from, oh, what are we going to do tonight? Oh, do you want to go to see a movie or some music? We all like seeing movies. But when you see a movie... The movie doesn't really talk back to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you go hear music, you are part of you are part of the music. Yeah. You are part of the performance. When you listen to this kind of music, right. it doesn't exist without an audience. Well, they call it in Africa. They call it. They call it witness. They don't talk, talk about audiences. They talk about witnesses. I like that. And so you're there, and your participation. Um, in the vibration of what's happening, because especially with this music we do, like with the Go Organic Orchestra or the so-called jazz world that's being created in the moment, right? And so everything about the moment, the air, where we are in the cosmos uh, in relation to Saturn or whatever else, right, and the moon, and where the season and the time of day and all the musicians who are there and the audience who is there, their energy, their attentiveness, Everybody, it's a creative process that the music becomes, is becoming at that moment and and becoming into being and birthing at that moment. And it's like, I call it like, you know, when the music, I say, get on board with us. We're, we're going on a, on a boat towards a never, ever shifting horizon. And that's, that also is, of course, a lived philosophy and, and uh, uh, the most exciting thing. I mean, it's one of the great things about life. If you like this radio show, well, the whole, the whole, the whole, the rock in the snowball, it's coming at you right now, is you owe it to yourself. You don't owe it to the musicians. You owe it to yourself to get out, get off your butt, walk out the door, forget about the MP3s and all that, go be where the music is, breathe with the music, you will be You'll be healed. Yeah, you'll be healed. That's right. Yeah. I just finished a tour with my moving pictures group with Hamid and a bunch of duet concerts with 
Ami Drake, um, and um, who was also in the group. It was really interesting. All these years and decades now of performing, I've never had more people come up to me and say exactly that. That not like, wow, that was so great. You guys were great. But it was like, I've been in this, you know, people come up and say, I've been really struggling. I've been in that. This was healing to me. I mean, many people, every concert. It was really interesting uh, um, that. And listen, man, it's lighting a candle in the dark, and we're mm. all doing it for each other, you mm. know. But this is what this is uh, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Well, wherever you are, we're all over the planet now. Wherever you are, somewhere a few steps away, there is music happening. And right. You should be part of it. But uh, if you're in New York, as we are, place to be Monday, November twenty seventh, is Roulette five hundred nine Atlantic Avenue. Very easy to get to. Brooklyn, and uh, one set at 8 p.m., Murmuration, Go Organic Orchestra, led by our guest tonight, Adam Rudolph. And, uh, Adam, we, we, uh, we, we took these folks down a dark alley and uh, <laughs> abandoned them there without Big Black on that track we played from, it was a beautiful piece from Dizzy Gillespie. But we did find the piece that uh, features Big Black and Dizzy with Big Black. And, um, why don't we, you know, I don't think we've told folks actually who the rest of the ensemble is. And, and Should everything. I, or would you like to? Uh, Either way. We just uh, want to make sure you yeah. have a chance to hear he, what he, it is you're listening to. Yes. Um, so this is from the album. Oh, uh, that's okay. Live at 1965 Monterey Jazz Festival. These guys are having a great time, I could tell you. Uh, Dizzy on the trumpet, of course. James Moody, his foil on flute and tenor saxophone, fantastic rhythm section, Kenny Barron, Christopher, uh, Kenny Barron piano, Christopher White on the bass, Rudy Collins, the drummer. James from Brooklyn called us pointing out some things about his playing that's very interesting and how it uh, intersects with what Big Black is doing. And the subject of uh, part of the deep focus tonight, Big Black playing congas, which is also uh, something I wanted to ask you about what the actual, we'll come back to this, maybe after this, what the instruments are themselves that are being played. Well, actually, I would, it, would, it might be illuminating for those who are listening on that level. So this is from 1965, and what we just heard with Randy and Weston and, and um, Big Black was from probably the mid-'80s. So I think what's interesting, too, is to hear, yes, Big Black changed his drums but also how his style, his his approach really evolved. I mean, this is a much earlier period for him and how much he, in a way, we're kind of playing it, doing it backwards in some way, but to go back and sort of hear the more of the roots of his young style, and uh, which I, you can hear is very distinct from what he was doing 20 years later. Again, in this great tradition that we've all embraced when we're talking about the evolution of the um, uh, you know the Miles Davises or Elvin Jones or everybody where you can hear or Yusuf Latif you can actually hear the evolution on the change of their playing and that they're reaching for something and this idea of reaching developing and evolving so we're kind of now we're going back to hear an earlier I mean so and it's so fascinating too because you can hear it and you say yes I recognize that 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 is Big Black but that's a younger version, you know, and you recognize him, but he's playing different. So, so from um, very interesting way, all this stuff fits together. Uh, from 1965 in Monterey, Dizzy Gillespie and uh, calling attention to Big Black playing congas here. Chega de Saudade, no more blues is the piece that we. No, I no, lied. I lied. I lied. As we heard the previous time, Ungawa. Right. right? No, Ngawa. Right. We're playing the track number eight. Yes. The Ngawa, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's Deep Focus on WKCR. <laughs> Thank you. 
about everybody's kicking in that band. <laughs> uh, I almost feel bad not talking about James Moody, not talking about Kenny Barron. Big Black. Bah, even Dizzy knows. Even Dizzy knows. Of course Dizzy knows. Uh, giving a shout out to the subject. Dizzy Gillespie. Actually, I guess that wasn't Dizzy's voice. Anyway, uh, Big Black getting a big feature there, and he is the man that we're talking about. Uh, we're at the midpoint of the Dizzy show. Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie. No, that's not the guy we're talking about. Uh, we call the show Deep Focus. We're here from 6 to 9 p.m. NYC time, so it is midpoint in the show, actually, right now. And uh, if you're just coming along, you blew it. You blew it because you've been missing so much great stuff. Adam Rudolph is here, and the deep focus is on the role of hand drums in modern music, creative music, uh, and stepping beyond the proscribed limitations. That might be the wrong word, but I'll leave it. I'm going to let it sit there. Of uh, the more familiar idea, the Afro-Cuban hand drumming, brilliant and fathomless as it is, but Adam, you are drawing us into whole other worlds, whole other realms of thought and non-thought in the, uh, of what the hand drums can do. Uh, we've been focused on Big Black. We're going to change, uh, we, we teased him a little bit, m 2 May is going to be a feature coming up, but... Um, I just did want to ask you one last question about that. Um, what uh, when we talk about hand drums is the assumption that it's in in your playing, it's congas or is it? I mean, there's a you mentioned earlier frame drums and uh, tablas and mm. other. Uh, what 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 do you what might that include? What what would more recently would Big Black be playing? Well, he he. Um, so one of the things, the sound of his drums, if you heard, in that the, that Dizzy Gillespie piece, he was playing, sort of what are called conga drums, which um, people became aware of in this country because of Chano Pozo, and then later Mongo Santa Maria, Armando Parazza, the great drummers who came, Francisco Agobea, um, even though he's not playing in an Afro-Cuban style. But those drums, of course, have their origins in Africa. One of the things that's interesting, if you think about it, in the so-called jazz, I, I'm using that word, and I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not. I hear when you gonna, say it. I hear the quotes around it. Well, right, and I'm, and I'm, uh, I don't subscribe to that term myself, but I, but just so everybody maybe can understand what we're talking about, the reason is is because it's. Uh, I think there's a certain ambiguity surrounding the the word, um, but let, we'll save that for another day. Um, the music is played, I, I was thinking about it, I th correct me if I'm wrong, but I think every instrument in sort of the general orchestration of, of so-called jazz music is a European instrument, mm. except for maybe the banjo yeah. back in the day, because the banjo coming from the Gambia, from the word banjul, meaning bamboo, that the banjo was an African origin instrument. But all of the other instruments are actually Western manufactured. Of course, the manner in which they're approached and played is something else altogether coming from the African-American experience and tradition that many of us can participate in. But that was that's certainly the... Um, except for, I guess we would say... I don't know well, about the, the guitar, set, right? What about well? So the trap set is an invention. I mean, I think I could be wrong, but I think it came. The trap came from the word contraption, and you're right. I mean, that's right because I think the drums were originally uh, these Chinese uh, tom toms, I think, and um, the snare is you find a drum like the snare, of course, all over Africa, um, and then the Janissary drummers of Turkey, and then the cymbals, I think, came from. China and Turkey. I'm not, you know, I'm saying this and I'm sure there's plenty of people who know a lot more about it than I do, but you're right. It's sort of an invent, invented instrument. So that's really true. Um, but of course, everything else is European, uh, uh, European instruments played in a distinctly non-European way. 
Um, but the conga is, you know, sort of an un uh, is and in and of itself a, a hand drum that's coming from that's used in Cuba, but the origins of it is mostly from Congo with a K, which is maybe where the word comes from. Many of the words that we know uh, come from from uh, Key Congo, like the words funky uh, um, um, and um, so. Uh, um, the drum, uh, anyway, so those drums, those kinds of drums, those family of drums, sort of barrel-shaped drums that you play with two hands, come from uh, Central Africa and West Africa, and they were brought into the, into the uh, uh, in America in the, 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 the tragic, the terrible, you know, history of, of the slave trade. So, um, you know, here they are, and there's all kinds of different drum traditions in all over the African diaspora. So the congas, so. Sears Big Black, as it, it, so bringing that into the orchestration of the music, and I think it's also kind of an interesting idea and something I sort of share with Big Black, who I consider sort of a mentor and a friend, and Mtume. is about 10 years older than me, and Big Black's about 20 years older than me. And um, But one of the things we, we talk about a lot is the fact that in some way we're also a little bit outsiders in the music in that our function of what we can do in the ensemble is sort of open. And um, uh, um, so I've ended up doing many, many years of duets with Yusuf Latif. Big Black did many, many years of duets with Randy Weston. Um, but the fact that there's this kind of openness about how you can think and that you're kind of an outsider in a certain way, you're like the bass player, a lot of times the 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 functionality is sort of predetermined. It shouldn't be, it doesn't have to be, but it is, you know, how that music is constructed. Now, when I first played, I got dropped on in the bandstand. Um, actually, there's uh, this um, guy, Amir, this record label, they're getting to release the live rec- re- recording of my first concert with the Contemporary Jazz Quintet at the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival in 1973. Wow. I was a kid, right, 17. And... Um, they dropped me in the middle of this pretty advanced music, but part of the reason was was that I was I could kind of move through the music in a way that and maybe didn't even need to know exactly everything that was going on, but could kind of find my way through the music in some way. So um, anyway, so that's that's kind of the the uh, um, sort of the interesting. So in the in the Latin jazz, which 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 comes out of Afro-Cuban music, where there's a distinct, you know, the the rhythm rather than trap drum oriented, there's this orchestration of like the you know congas, the timbales, and bongos, the bell, you know, there's um, uh, in, uh, but the codification of the orchestration in jazz has been something else altogether. So to bring that into the music and develop a language in it. And I think at that time in the 60s and 70s, there was maybe culturally and also artistically, maybe there was some kind of more openness in in some ways about the orchestration of the music than even sometimes I f- like uh, today, you know, or it, in a different way, I guess I would say. So um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, we're going to change gears a little bit on um, – you, I should let you articulate this because it's something that you were telling me, this line that we're following mm. from Big Black and his innovations playing hand drums to another musician and uh, in particular in the context of one of the most popular and legendary artists whose music we play on this station and um talking about miles davis and in particular a period i think it's even still maybe his least understood Mm. uh, part of his musical life and in particular what's not understood about it as i understand it is this musician's role in that band Mm. yeah the musician who you are going to direct our attention to. Well, so, okay, so we're, we're talking about James M. Tume, M. Tume, the great, great um, 
composer and, you know, composer of many pop hits and producer Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, but became known first with McCoy Tyner and then with Miles. So just to back up a little bit and to say, is in the context of introducing him, this music, uh, I may be one of the last generations who sort of came into this music through the oral tradition. A lot of times now, uh, more often it's taught in schools. But the oral tradition being where the older musicians kind of opened up opportunities for younger musicians to develop. So we all know that uh, Charlie Parker played with um, Jay McShann and Miles Davis played with Charlie Parker and then Herbie Hancock played with Miles and these kinds of things. And also there's kind of a lineage in the instruments too where older musicians really would give a few little keys, I guess I would call them sort of keys to the kingdom or keys to the doorways to the younger musicians. So this is what I was saying about Big Black for myself, what he really opened up, his way of approaching the drums opened up something for me. But I, there's the other drummer who is in the school of Big Black's playing is Mtume. And when I heard, it's I was just talking about 1973 when I was playing at the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival with the Contemporary Jazz Quintet. That was the year, 73, 73 or 74, when Miles' group came to the Smiling Dog Saloon in Cleveland. I was at Oberlin at that time. And I went up and heard them pretty much every night. And I could sit as close to them as you are to me right now. And Mtume, I had already been listening to Mongo Santa Maria and the great Latin, you know, Afro-Cuban drummers and studying that music and trying to learn it uh, in Chicago. And when I heard him play, I was like, what is he doing? I mean, this is something, this is so incredible, but I have no idea what he's doing. He's got his drum set up backwards. He's playing standing up. They're tuned differently. He's using his fingers. Where is this coming from? What is this all about? And it's funny, I was talking to him to me the other day, and he was like, man, you should have come up and, 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 and asked me. You know, I was like, well, you know, it was like I was just, you know, I was a kid. You know, it was just, it didn't occur to me. Anyway, so fast forward many years later, I've become a very good friend with Big Black. Big Black and I played many, many, many duet concerts together, by the way, just percussion, the two of us. Um, at Bob Dylan had a coffee house in, in Venice, California, Santa Monica. We used to play every week there. Anyway, so I've gotten kind of into this school, and now I've heard how Big Black plays, and I understand it. And then I go back, and I hear him Tume, and I'm like, uh-huh. And, and Big Black said, yeah, M. Tume was my student, too, in the sense of how not a formal, like, lessons, but just but Big Black. So M. Tume's way of approaching the drums, how he tuned them, setting up low to high, standing like that, and using all of this finger technique and double strokes is from Big Black. And he took it in a way that's very distinct and has his own language. So in the great tradition of this music that we love, we can hear one note of Don Cherry or one note of Ornette Coleman or one note of Elvin Jones. We know who it is. I can hear one note of Big Black. I can hear one note of Mtume. Hopefully, that's what I'm reaching for myself, that you can hear hear that person's um, voice expressed through the instrument. So um, anyway, there's sort of more to say about Mtume, except that he... Um, um, but maybe maybe we should I should yeah. save that and we'll we'll listen to a little All bit right. of him with but anyway just this group I can call off where if you want to I mean this was the same group this is what year is this seventy we're gonna do the seventy three so same right. year that I heard them and same group that I heard with my neighbor by the way I grew up around I knew Pete Cozy for years and used to play play with him um, but um, and of course you know the great you know what a great artist and wow um, I don't know who let me I, just throw a little wow in there. yeah wow. Yeah. And um, Reg so, yeah. Lucas and okay, yeah, you, know, yeah, you go got ahead. it, man. Run you it got down. it. So Miles is playing trumpet. He's playing some uh, keyboard as well. When you hear key, if you if you hear keyboard, it's Miles. Uh, Dave Liebman tearing it up on soprano and tenor saxophone and flute. Pete Cozy and Reggie Lucas playing the guitars. Michael Henderson on the bass. Al Foster's playing the drums and M. Tume on listed here as congas and percussion. And uh, what more needs to be said other than we're in Tokyo, we're at the Shinjuku 
Co Sinenkin Hall in Tokyo, June nineteenth of seventy three. Do you remember what time of year you saw? Uh, that would have been probably in the f- the probably the fall or the spring of the seventy fall of seventy three or spring of seventy four. Not long after. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, this is a treat. This is uh, unreleased live recording, and uh, if you know the music that this band was making at this time, then you know this piece, Turnaround Phrase. Miles Davis, WKCR. Thank you. 
I don't know about you, but uh, Adam Rudolph and I are having a blast listening to this music. Uh, you're listening to Deep Focus. It's WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD1, WKCR.org. Uh, the program's called Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman, and uh, we have guests come in the studio, and we choose, my guest chooses an artist to uh, explore from the WKCR archives. In this case, our guest, Adam Rudolph, brought his own archives, which is kind of a treat. Oh, before I forget, that's the sound of a cassette coming out of a cassette player. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. Yeah, Try right. saying cassette. Um, I always liked, uh, in France, cassette. This letter K, number seven. Cassette. Oh, uh, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, that music, that uh, was from the WKCR archives. That's Miles Davis 
in Japan in 1973, and we are putting a special deep focus, a bright, bright light, mm. a laser on the work of M. Tume playing uh, percussion and congas there. And that was a perfect example. I mean, you know, this music you can listen to over and over and over again, and you can filter it a thousand different ways and hear different things that are going on, and it, it gives and gives and gives. Listening to it now and thinking about it through the perspective of hand drumming, which is what we're talking about tonight, is uh, a very one more revealing aspect of that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, M. Tume, uh, so I've, you know, become, um, uh, he's my neighbor now and a good friend and um, uh, such a great artist. And uh, so when I got to know him, when I moved back, back to New York and got to know... Uh, that is part two of three parts of this program. From November 13th, 2017, Adam Rudolph there in the studio with me. We are talking about playing the music of Big Black and M. Tumay, especially there, playing with Miles Davis. I, I don't have to tell you. Wow. Uh, incendiary music. But uh, so, you know, you're not going to find this anyplace else. You probably know that. If you haven't done it already, I do invite you to subscribe to this program, Deep Focus. You could find it, should find it on your favorite podcasting app. If you don't, you can definitely find us at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. I'm not going to ask you, and they're not going to ask you for any money or to support any other services or do anything except enjoy this show. But I'll say, if you appreciate what we're doing, please do like us up. Uh, drop some comments. Give us the five stars or whatever your podcasting app allows in. The reason I ask you to do that is there are very few people who are aware of this program. I don't know how you stumbled in here, but you did. But if you click some likes, you know there are literally millions of podcasts. None quite like this one. None that I know about. But uh, there's millions of them. And when you give us some thumbs up or whatever it is, it helps people to find it. And uh, we just want people to know about what's going on here and the opportunity there is to enjoy this music and and see what it can provide in your life so if that means anything to you then please do let the folks know tell some people send around uh send out an email do a blast put us up on your socials whatever we love it we really it's so rare it's such a small community of us you know we're literally all over the world which stuns me uh I think there's like 50 countries now, listeners to this show, somewhere right around there. And uh, but so few people in all those places. You are part of that community. You're part of this very small little coterie of very knowledgeable, sophisticated music listeners. I don't think of, you know, I don't know. It's funny to me. I don't think of this as so super sophisticated or highfalutin or unaccessible. To me, this is uh, what music should be, and uh, I, I, I don't think of it as this highly esoteric thing. I think it's within any listener's reach. All it asks is that you pay attention and just give yourself the opportunity to experience. But that's kind of a crazy, radical idea these days. All of this media nowadays is so short form. And, you know, you really, uh, one way to look at this, I'm trying to give you an opportunity to luxuriate in this program. Another would be that it's just these endless shows. It does take a uh, certain amount of dedication or just free time to indulge and experience the journey. For me, and I think for all the guests, every episode is a journey. We start in one place, we end up in a different place with a different appreciation for this music. It happens to me every time. I, I, I have no idea, honestly, what your experience is, unless you tell me. Um, but um, I just, yeah, uh, 
I've said enough. All right. I'm glad you're along for the ride here. And uh, to catch part three, once again, November 13th, 2017, Adam Rudolph, the guest. Uh, the topics of Big Black and M2 May. It's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. I'll see you over at part three.